Yeah, that thing's a piece of crap. We stopped selling them at the store three months ago. Got a lot of complaints, but it's a nice gesture. Welcome in to the Bro 4 Squad podcast, where we're just a bunch of bros drinking beer and talking movies. This is episode 109, and what a fun one it is going to be. I am your host, the Mayor Jeff Hornacek. Before we get started, let's go around and meet the fellow bros with me tonight. It's a usual cast of characters, and we start with the American hero, Nate Thurmond. Nate, how bummed are you that you're not quarantined with us and get to see us 24-7 for the next few weeks? Yeah, man, I'm totally bummed out about that. I'm not going to be able to see you guys totally. Oh, man. Uh, Really, um, in this quarantine period, I'm really just trying to get as ripped as I can since I'm at my house. I'm just doing push-ups every 10 minutes and then, you know, just do some pull-ups, do some sit-ups. But it's kind of counterintuitive with the copious amounts of alcohol I drink, too. So we'll see how it turns out. I was thinking that, too. I was like, if I can just work out like I'm in prison, but then eat like I'm quarantined, (laughs) I should leave looking the same. It's a, yeah, I know. I'm just trying to even clear wash. My body's like, what the fuck are you doing, though? Like, are we trying to get fat? Eight meals a day now because I just snack all the time sitting at my table. God, dude, so much fucking snacking. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's ridiculous. All right, that leads us to the mad scientist, Brian Banner. Uh, Now, Banner, I know you're down there in the lab, and there are a lot of people out there looking for some sort of chemical concoction to make their own hand sanitizer, since it's now such a commodity. But I heard you have something even better. What is it? So, yeah, generally speaking, I mean, this works like 85% of the 30% of the time. Just Was that 85? Of the the 30. Yeah, of the 30. 85 of the three. Okay, I get it. That makes yeah. sense now. Brian Fantana. God, come on, keep up. Uh, if you just drink enough alcohol and then wash your hands in your pee, it almost works. That's good enough for me. So this is a dumb question, but is pee really that sterile? I mean, it's our waste from our body, right? So from what I've heard, you can drink it like the first time through. And yeah. It's okay. After that, you can't keep just drinking and regurgitating your piss. No. Bear Grylls is like, I think you can get away with like two. <laughs> two times. <laughs> Bear Grylls just only drinks his piss. He drank one <laughs> bottle of water when he was six, and since then he's just been drinking that same bottle of water over and over and over again. It's, it's an acquired taste. <clears throat> it's just economical, really. We're playing checkers. He's playing chess. This is vintage All right. in the Grand Tetons. <laughs> well, if you have not listened to our show before, then we start every episode off with the most getting derailed. <laughs> That's true. That is actually how we begin. Uh, but it is called our chess day segment. Now, before we dive into this, yes, the title of this episode refers to Tiger King, and I don't want to bury the lead. Stay tuned because we're going to fucking talk about that in depth when we get to our protein shake. But. We begin every episode with the most important thing in any bro's life, and that is Chess Day. And today our Chess Day talks about our female animated character movie madness tournament. It'll be linked in the description since it's March. We've done another tournament. This one was with 16 female characters from animated movies. Well, I guess 15 and then Miss Piggy. Um, I fucked up. Okay, my bad. No one's complaining she's in it. I just have to make the clarification. Muppet Babies was animated. Very much so. It was. Um, good point. I actually love that show. I did too. I like that Miss Piggy better than the puppet Miss Piggy. She was nicer. Probably because she was a toddler. Um, anyway, we're down to our final 
four, meaning we had two matchups that we posted on our Twitter where you can follow us at Bro4Squad and vote on all of these. Brian Banner, I will turn it over to you. Let him know who the matchups were and how things went down according to the fan vote. Who is going to advance to the finals of the female animated character movie all right. turn? All right, so in the semifinals, we had our number one seed, Jasmine, going up against the number five seed, Lola Bunny. And really tight match, guys. Came up to the, uh, to the end. 21-19, Jasmine. Number one seed lives up to the title. Um, Lola Bunny, almost a Cinderella story. Couldn't quite get there, but making it to the final four is always an accomplishment. Um, notes here. We say horny vote lost out here. I would agree with that. Uh, I want to say this. Looking at any tournament, you know, Jasmine being the one seed, they always have a scare or like a really close game on their way to the title or a potential title. So it's they were just due. I was texting you as this was going on. I was like, dude, this is like a fucking tie at the 11th hour. But I'm not going to gonna lie. I want to thank the fans for making this not a tie because I didn't want to vote on this one either. Nate, where do, where do your allegiances lie here? Obviously, we have the horny vote for Lola Bunny, but then Jasmine, just an all-around juggernaut in this tournament based on her strength in the movie Aladdin. Yeah, I think she was my number one overall as well. Um, and, yeah, I've got to go with Jasmine. I know, I think Banner said some questionable things about her in one of the other uh, episodes. That <laughs> her I Jessica Rabbit was. <laughs> yeah, and then... Um, but no, I think she's genuinely good at heart. I, I, I'd go with Jasmine. I think she deserves the number one seed, and um, I'm glad she won this one and pulled it out in overtime. Are you surprised it was this close? Um, no, and as much as – I mean, well, the bunny's fine, um, but I'm going to pull for Jasmine. But I, I know that she has a big fan base, and so I know she's going to get a lot of votes that are going to pull close to Jasmine, um, even this late in the tournament. Um, so I'm not surprised it was that close, but I'm glad to see Jasmine Day come out on top. I don't know if it's been like this for either of you guys, but Space Jam is on Netflix right now, and they added that, like, I think it's relatively new. It's like the trending part. Yeah. And they've been like, Space Jam has been like in the top 10 every time I've logged on. Do you think that Banner or Nate inflated Lola Bunny's numbers? Sort of, it's not a recency bias because the movies are both kind of the same age, but. It's in people's faces right now. Every time you log into Netflix, like fucking Space Jam, watch it. Yeah, that, I think that definitely plays it played into it. Now that's in their subconscious, they're like, "Oh man, Lola Bunny, she's hot right now." I mean, she's always been hot, so it's just bringing it. She back. She has an age today, and no. she can play basketball where none of the the rest of the world can. So that's a plus. And Sands, Michael Jordan, she's pro- she's definitely the best player on the Toon Squad, too, right? Like, no one else Easy. is better. That's spot of three, please. Well, she could create her own shot, too, is what, you know, helps her so much. Yeah, she's a point guard, but she's a shoot-first point, shoot point guard. A Russell Westbrook type, if you will. Yes. All right, guys, anything else about Jasmine and Lola Bunny? Let's oh. see the next matchup. All right. The so we got just to clarify, Jasmine going on to the finals, going to take on the winner of Muana versus Mulan, Battle of the M's. Uh, <laughs> Muana, <not> very marketable. <laughs> <laughs> eh, well, you know, Muana the ten seed going up against Mulan the three overall seed. This was a bloodbath, and I'm very upset about it. 
Nine votes Moana, <laughs> two votes Mulan. You okay there, Nate Thurman? 22 votes for Mulan. Holy shit. Yeah, I'm glad you saw that. That went down the wrong pipe. <laughs> yeah. It looks like it came out your eye. Uh, I think it did. Moana, nine votes. Mulan, 22 votes. He's like uh, eye boofing. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and comment here. I disagree with this. I would I think Muwana gets personality and I want to hang out with them if you go by our three criteria, and Mulan gets story arc. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, I mean Muwana being a ten seed to make it this far though, kind of a pun intended because. Cinderella got knocked out in the last round, not by Moana, but a Cinderella story, so to speak. So, you know, it had to end eventually, and there's no shame in losing to Mulan, the three seed. I probably would have gone with Mulan, but based on our criteria, it would have been a little tougher. So if I'm just a fan voting, I think I agree with it, but you're, you bring up a good point, man. I would agree with you. If I'm a fan voting, I'm probably going Mulan, mainly because the music in that movie is fire. So it automatically gets that uh, that little check mark for me but yeah, a, if you go by our by our criteria mulan should win this match yeah she was a 90s strong female lead act actor actress character cartoon <laughs> <laughs> found it found it found it there it is okay had to roll through a few of those sitting through the, the sand whiskey. the whiskey in my eyes really throwing me off right now so um but no i yeah you yeah. you kind of saw that coming with the kind of when it came out what her role was and how strong of a role she had and uh, the, the people probably voting in these. I uh, would argue too, uh, Mulan, not very many people have seen that compared to the amount of people that have seen Mulan and Mulan's kind of got that recency bias with the live action coming out, not coming out, eventually it'll come out well, situation. If that had been released, I mean, how much worse would this have been, right? You got to think that that would have helped Mulan even more. Right. That's what I'm saying is it's just well and Jeff you Mulan's been out since what 2016 2017 something like that you just saw it for the first time last week Moana you mean Moana yeah yeah and I loved Moana like it would instantly jump to probably my top 10 Disney Pixar movies it's at the bottom of that but it was really enjoyable let me ask you guys this uh, and Nate, I don't know how long it's been since you saw Moana, but better sidekick, Maui, voiced by uh, Dwayne Johnson in Moana, or Mushu, voiced by Eddie Murphy in Mulan. Banner, you can go first. Mushu. Wow, really? Yeah, yeah, it's got to be Mushu. Mushu man. man, if you don't like him in that movie, which he's an acquired here's, taste. Well, here's the thing. Mushu is more of a sidekick. He, he really helps Mulan, where... Maui isn't really a sidekick for a lot of the movie. He's kind of a douchebag. Yeah, that's a good point. The story is like, I guess if you're talking about like weight to carry in the story, it's probably equal parts him and Moana. Nate, how about you? Who's your yeah. favorite of the two? Uh, yeah, so maybe I need to go revisit Moana. I've seen it once, and I think it was last year sometime when I watched it. Uh, but Mushu's going to take this in a landslide for me. I mean, and who's backing Mushu? So, I mean, the voice behind him is, is just yeah. enough credit to make him go to the top anyway. But and yeah, when over, that came out, he was red hot. Yeah, over-the-top comedy, over-the-top physical comedy in, in the cartoon. I mean, for me, it's a no-brainer. I went and rewatched Mulan on Disney+, Plus. I think, like two weeks ago. And, dude, Mushu was cracking my shit up. <laughs> He's awesome. I'm going to have to put that in the Rolodex to watch. 
Yeah, I mean, and Mushu takes like 15 minutes to get into the movie, but once he shows up, you're like, it, I just went from six to midnight. Oh, yes. Yeah. Movie just changed completely. Just tuck, tuck it up in your waistband. <laughs> All right, Banner, what do we have for the finals? All right, that gives us Jasmine, the overall number one seed, versus Mulan, the three seed. Uh, this is going to be tough, guys. Do we have any predictions? Because we're obviously not going to vote uh, live on this one. We're going to let the fans decide. But just on the surface, Jasmine Mulan, Thurman. Um, yeah, that's tough. I still got to stick with Jasmine. She's my girl. Yeah, I'd, I'm interested to see what the spread that Bavada puts out is for this. Because I think it's close to a pick em. Um I'm going to go with Jasmine, too, but I think it's going to be really damn close. And we can talk about it off pod, but maybe <clears throat> we just do like a mock live scoring of it. The fans vote at our Twitter will be the one that counts for the winner, but they can just see how we would have voted. I like well. that. Yeah, I think on the surface, again, I'm going to go – I would go Jasmine, but this is a win by one run in the bottom of the ninth bases loaded situation. And if I told you Mulan plus three and a half right now, what would you go with? Probably Mulan all day. Nate, how about you? Mulan plus three and a half votes. What would you take? Um, yeah, I'll say I'm going to be taking Mulan on that, even though I think Jasmine will win. <clears throat> nice. Yeah. I mean, during quarantine, this is the shit you need to be betting on. Yes. Ja- if you had Jasmine minus three there's no way you don't take that well you know vegas doesn't want to push on this there's going to be so much money changing hands they're going to put a half half mode in there so oh for sure yeah <clears throat> i could see this being a two and a half have you guys ever seen high lie or high ally like written out how it's spelled because it will fuck you up it does not look like that yeah. word at all yeah j-a-i <laughs> uh all right so that <laughs> That is the semifinals of our female animated character movie madness tournament. Check us out on Twitter at Bro4Squad to vote on the finals. We'll post it. I don't know when you want to post it, Banner. Like Friday. Be a nice little weekend treat for you. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. Take some time, kind of maul it over, and then you have a couple days to, to make your vote. Yep, perfect. All right, the second part of our show is our protein shake, where we go around and talk about what is in our cup, also known as what have we watched lately. Now, we all have Tiger King we're going to talk about at the end. So, uh, Nate, I'll let you go first. You can just empty out your whole cup except for that, and then we'll go around and then get the real uh, juicy conversation going. Perfect. So, yeah, uh, yeah, we're going to spend quite a bit of time on Tiger King, so we're going to try and run through what I have here. Um, so, Hunters on Amazon Prime, Al Pacino, really great about uh, some Nazi hunters back in the 70s. Um, I haven't looked into how true it is, but loosely based on some true events that happened, I think kind of around New York, but it's about Nazis living in America after the war, after World War II under false identities and things like that. But is it about them that, that terrifies like, the shit out of me. Just yeah, is it about them there. trying to like restart up the Nazi party or like what? Um, yeah. So not too much of a spoiler, but yeah, they're, they're trying to create a fourth Reich. Um, and that, that's kind of the, the motivation behind them coming over to America, which some of it, there is some truth behind it because after the war, uh, the American government did bring over some of the like brilliant minds of the Nazi regime just because at the end of the day, they were saying, hey, if we don't take them in, like Russia's going to take them and they're going to have them. Right. 
they're, they're free good. agents at this point. Yep. So so Hunter's highly suggested. Al Pacino's great in it. He plays a great Jew. Um, so Josh Radner too, right? Our yes, boy, Josh we, Radner. We've kind of soured on because he's had he's become a douchebag in the media, but he's um, I mean. He's a douchebag in the show too, but he plays an actor, so he's kind of playing into it. So I don't know how much he was acting really, but there is that. <laughs> um, so my my two questions: How many episodes? And then is this like an anthology series, almost like True Detective, where they're not teasing us for a second season, or is there a possibility of one related to this, like based on an open-ended uh, finale? Um, ten episodes. And to answer your second one, I. I don't believe it's an anthology. I haven't looked into it to see if they've signed for a second or anything like that. But the way they left it off, there are definitely some plot threads that could be interesting for a season two, which I'm excited for. So hopefully – I know it's not going to be an anthology, and I'm pretty sure it's going to get signed on. So I think there's going to be more seasons afterward. How uh, historically accurate do you feel like it is without spoilers, if you can? Overall, I think it – it really is pretty historically accurate. Um, they have some flashbacks, obviously, and things like that. Um, but um, the, the things I have looked up to, like, fact check and stuff, it's pretty legit. So that's one of the so, things. So, like, I'm... there were actually Nazis in New York City back then? Um, like, is that probably, true? I haven't looked specifically, but, like, uh, uh, Werner von Braun, who was, like, a oh, yeah. rocket scientist, he like, NASA hired him. And he came over and like worked for NASA because he was in their space program and all that kind of stuff. I don't know huh. how much they they embellished on his role, but spoiler, he is in one of the episodes, and they have some of that in there. But um, sorry, but yeah, some one, of there, there's a lot of legitimacy with it. One more question, Nate, and I always do this. Like I get you get interested in you talking about a show, and I end up like fucking almost spoiling half of it. So if this is a big spoiler, then don't answer this. But yeah. is the Fourth Reich's goal to like? for lack of a better term, like brainwash American citizens into buying into the Nazi regime? Or are there enough Nazi immigrants or transplants in the United States at this time that they think they have a large enough group of people there to do some damage socioeconomically? I'm not going to answer that. Okay. Damn it. Yeah. Fuck. I'm not going to answer that. I'm going to watch it even harder. So uh, I'll try and yeah run through the rest of these pretty quick. Uh, rewatch Tangled. Um one of mine and my wife's favorite Disney movies. Underrated. So underrated. Yeah. Actually, I haven't seen Tangled ever. Mandy it's, Moore and Zachary Levi? Yeah. It's great. It's Is not there original Pixar, which always confuses me. Yes. Yeah. Just Disney. Um, but we were talking off pod, and uh, Horns kind of pointed out, I bet my wife wanted to watch it because she's quarantined um, in a castle, which is relatable at this moment. So watch that. That's not true. You don't live in a castle. I know. It's a pretty nice house, though. It's a nice house. It's not bad. But ca- uh, castles have multiple levels and a balcony. I'm working on it. You fucking Get prudential it. real estate? Jesus. Um, threw it back because of a co-worker suggestion to 1993, I believe. I haven't done my research. Watched True Romance. Never seen it before. Uh, great flick. Um, with got uh, Christian Slater. And Courtney Love, Dennis Hopper. Walking. Not, not Courtney Love. Uh, fuck, what's her name? Oh, hang on. Damn it, she was married to Antonio Banderas. Mrs. Banderas. The Sicilian so, scene with Dennis Hopper. Banderas Hoff. is in it. Yeah. 
with Dennis Hopper and Christopher Walken uh, is so... Did Tarantino write True Romance? I think he did. He wrote it. He didn't yeah. direct it. Okay. Yeah. Because that is Tarantino dialogue where, like, tension is just built and built and built, and you're enjoying the fuck out of it, but you're also really nervous. Like that scene in Inglourious Bastards where they're at the bar and Michael Fassbender's trying to pose as a Nazi, and you know yeah. he's about to get caught. But there's Patricia just... Arquette. Not even close to who I thought it was. Um, but no, yeah, Christopher Walken in that scene is amazing. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson is in it for like literally 30 seconds and dies. Um, I don't remember that at all. Gary Oldman is a drugged out pimp, which is amazing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, really great movie. Never seen Brad it. Brad Pitt, briefly. Brad Pitt is a stoner, stoned out of his mind on a he's couch. His, he's his roommate, right? Christian Slater's roommate? Yeah. But uh, but yeah, threw it back. I'm really glad someone suggested that so I could go watch that. Um, really enjoyable. Um, I won't get into this too much. Just fuck Brian for making me watch this uh, and getting into it. <laughs> uh, Love is Blind on Netflix. Um, I hate myself for watching that. It was my guilty pleasure, and I was weirdly addicted to it. It was <laughs> awesome, wasn't it? All right. I plead the fifth. Okay. So Cameron's a robot with weird posture. Um Jessica so a robot. is super batshit fucking crazy, but she's Ooh. 34 and Mark's 24. Oh, Jessica? Yeah. 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 That'll work out. They're fine. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, I talked about it a couple shows ago, but yes, Thurman, I want to know your opinion on the experiment, what you thought about it, all of that. Um, I'm be begrudgingly looking forward to season two and three that just got renewed. So I can't wait. Um, yeah, I know you're a big, big brother guy, and I'm not huge into reality, but we watched that, and like I watched the first episode, and I just wanted to see the train wreck more. <laughs> and that's ex it was just a 10 episode long season of train wrecks over and over again. It was amazing. So I, I started to watch the first episode, something happened, and I had to stop. But season two and potentially three, like Nate said, has also been greenlit. Now, they're going to do it with different people, right? There's not, like, yeah. some methodology. Okay. I would imagine. I would assume. They may have, like, a half an episode or, like, the last episode, like, Last Chance You, where they'll go back to the previous, like, where are they now, maybe? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Who are oh, they? Who's, who's in my mouth now? Yeah. Who's in my mouth? <laughs> Thank you, Dane Cook reference. Um, and then caught up on Saul. I don't know if anyone else on the pod is on that, but I'm finally to season five, which is airing now. Really great. That's like, already at five seasons? Damn. Yeah. Jesus. I didn't know that that had five seasons in it. How far before Breaking Bad starts does this show take place? So before Breaking Bad starts... Because Saul is, I, I, I again, I'm a, you can yell at your headphones right now if you want to, listening at home. I haven't seen Breaking Bad. I'm like the only person on pod or in the world, or better call Saul, but he's like the lawyer in Breaking Bad, right? Or one of the lawyers? Yeah. And so other people might be yelling right now at me, but I honestly don't know. Um, from the beginning of Breaking Bad to where we're at right now, it may be known in the universe, but I would say probably five or so years before so is there a chance jesse or walter show up um or since he hasn't met them yet would they have to be like passerbys at a walmart or some shit like that wouldn't nah, even make uh, sense yeah i'm trying to i'm trying to remember back to like season one of uh season one of breaking bad and i don't think they meet until 
season one. I think one, it's right? season two when they meet. Well, yeah, it's it's in the it's in the uh, it's in Breaking Bad when they meet. So I don't think they could meet in Better Call Saul. Yeah, unless sense. they just did that scene again, which would be weird. Now, with that being said, they've been introduced a ton of good characters from Breaking Bad into Better Call Saul already. So that's fucking cool. It's been good. Um, wrapping this up, um, last thing I have is started rewatching Arrested Development. Very underrated. Um, almost cult comedy. It's it's getting been getting better traction. Like after is it s- air several still years on ago. Netflix? Yeah, it's still on Netflix. But I kind of fell off after they went like the fourth season. They came back and whatever they'd done afterwards. I watched it, but it was not that great. But um, going back and rewatching season one through three, which are some really great comedy. That's a show that like. How much? That was almost like Family Guy. Wasn't that canceled like twice somehow? It was canceled once after the third season, and then man, it was like ten years until they did. The it was season. like it wasn't and it Netflix like the first Netflix show that they picked up and made a Netflix original. Where One like up. like yeah. it was already a show, and then they picked it up to make new ones. I think that was like the first or one of the first ones to yeah, do. Yeah, probably that. about four or five years ago. Yeah, it was a while ago. They may have done a fifth season, and I honestly don't know. I haven't watched it, so. I did, man. And again, people are probably screaming at their fucking headphones. Sorry, guys. It's not quite, we don't break news or anything on here, but I think there was something to do with the fifth season, whether it was already done or it was, like, agreed upon. Because I remember being surprised that Jason Bateman said he would come back for it again. Yeah. Okay, that's all I got. We can move on to the next one so we have more room for Tiger King. Right, you man. go ahead. You go ahead and go first, Jeff. <clears throat> All right. Um, I saw Bombshell uh, through my local library. We'll just say I rented it from them. Um, I mean to watch that. Yeah, it's good. There's, it's interesting. I think the thing for me is like. We're not very political on this podcast. We're not political at all. And so, like, obviously, the undertones of the story are kind of driven by this news network and Fox News that's very politically motivated. I think the crazy thing for me is, like, how these actors, like, Charlize Theron as Megyn Kelly, it's so crazy, like, the nuance that you have to do to play another person that, like, we all know is in the cultural zeitgeist. Like, weird shit she'll do with, like, her lip and, like... It's just, like, insane to be an actor, all the shit you have to study in another person. Yeah. And it's weird at first, because I'm like, that Charlize Theron, why is she acting weird? And then I'm like, oh, she's supposed to be Megyn Kelly. <laughs> One thing I noticed for, on this, though, and I never noticed shit like this, so it must have been a little off for me to pick up on it, but this movie is edited really weird. Like, Really? There's a lot of times where, like, two people will be talking, and it'll, like, cut to... to this completely non-essential conversation between like two people in like the newsroom and then cut back to them talking. And I'm just like, why was that? It was almost like uh, in Fight Club when he talks about how he would splice in like a tenth of a second of porn on the film roll (laughs) to throw people off. So I think this may be the one reason that I haven't watched it yet, and I'll get your opinion on this. Um, So the situation it's portraying, do I need to have much background or any wherewithal on that to enjoy the movie i don't think so because i had none okay perfect and they, they pretty much give it to you just know that this was happening like right around the time the me too movement was and it's directly tied into that brian are you okay <laughs> <What>? <laughs> we 
We are dealing. It's like a crisis on infinite. What is going on? I'm sorry. The every time I move, the chair squeaks, and I was moving so I can prop my feet up. I was because that chair looks really comfortable, but you're making it seem like a nightmare. Okay, we're good I though. I heard it, but then you made the face, and I was like, "What is going on?" <laughs> but Brian's the type of guy like he'll play through the injury, just shoot me up with cortisone, and I'll keep going. <laughs> and. All right, so- all right, so I watched Bombshell. Uh, I would recommend it. I mean, like, if you saw the trailer and said this is interesting, definitely check it out. There are a lot of, like, pseudo-famous actors that have incredibly brief cameos that, like, you didn't even know were in it. Like, Alice Eve is in it for 11 seconds among, like, three or four other people. And obviously Margot Robbie is not ugly. Um Another thing I watched, Johnny English Strikes Again. This is the Hell third yeah. of the Johnny English movies. Dude, I don't know what it is about Rowan Atkinson, but he fucking cracks me up. It's so dumb. It's so fucking stupid. It's, and I know it, it as I'm watching it. It makes you so infuriated with yourself because <laughs> of how stupid it is, but it makes you laugh. Banner, I know you obviously know Rowan Atkinson, but have you seen any of the... We've talked about Johnny English, right? You've seen some of his movies? Yeah, I've seen a few of them. So I think the thing I love about Johnny English is obviously his completely undeserved arrogance and confidence. But he has this fucking face that he keeps making where he's, like, suspicious of someone. And I can't do it on the podcast, obviously. People can't see me. But you know the face I'm talking about? Yeah. kind of like... It's like he, like, pierces his lips together and, like, looks down upon his nose. Yes. And normally, like, this type of slapstick humor, like, there's a scene where he puts on knight's armor for some reason, and he ends up slipping on maple syrup, falling down the stairs. And that sounds so fucking dumb as I'm describing it. But if you watch it, I was, like, crying laughing. It's so stupid. I don't know why I laugh at it, but it just, in this context, it works, because it's Rowan Atkinson. And Emma Thompson is in this, which, like, She's seemingly in everything these days. And then Olga Kurlinko from, like, the Hitman movies and uh, I think not Skyfall was before that. Quantum uh, of Solace. Quantum she's of Solace. And so she's pretty good in this because she's, like, sexually attracted to Johnny English, which would just make no fucking sense, and that's kind of funny to watch. So, again, if you – I don't know, man. It's a, it was a good quarantine movie because it was just so dumb and I needed to laugh at something really stupid. Speaking of something really stupid but fun, Geiger and I did, and it's up right now on iTunes and YouTube, a movie commentary on the first uh, The Expendables movie. So go check that out. I won't talk about it because if you want to hear us talk about it, we talk over the whole movie for an hour and a half. But it was a fucking blast and uh, the perfect type of movie for the Beaufort Squad commentary. Hopefully you guys can come on the next one. Um, I watched Baywatch. <clears throat> Still haven't seen that. I've contemplated it. I, I know, going into it, I would know what it is. Yeah. But I think that's just kind of the mindset you would have to have to enjoy it. Exactly. I think you're you're the right audience for it. Um, I'll give it a go. It uh, it's not as well executed in, in nearly, and this isn't necessarily an indictment, um, but as Twenty One Jump Street was with Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum. But I thought that was like the perfect parody of these types of movies, where it's like. Matt, Brian, you are fucking <laughs> either really locked into what I'm saying or there's porn on your screen right now. <laughs> he is um, fucking out of it. 
But uh, 21 Jump Street does the perfect balance of like, let's make this funny while also like making fun of the concept. And Baywatch is like a little, my mic almost fell, is like a little too in on the joke. Uh, And it's just already been done before. So sort of the novelty of it's gone. The Rock is great in it. Like it's probably one of my more enjoyable roles of his, but not a huge fan of Efron. And there's really not like, a lot of the cast is kind of trying too hard to be comedic. Like, there's a guy on the Baywatch team who's obviously, like, not in great shape, but everyone else is. And it's like, okay, we get it. Yeah, who's a chicken there? Uh, Alexander Daddario is in it. Oh, that is Alexander Daddario. Yeah, Yeah. and then Kelly Rohrbach, who I think is an SI swimsuit model. Oh, actually, that's who I was thinking of, Kelly Rohrbach. Yeah, and then um, the chick who married Nick Jonas, who's gorgeous, too. She was from Quantico. I can't remember her name. Yeah. Uh, Chopra or something like that's her last name. But she's pre- actually pretty. She's probably one of the better characters. Oh, she's married to one of the Jonas brothers. Yeah, Nick Jonas. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, she's yeah. like ten years older than him. Uh, Efron's just kind of annoying in it. The story's a little bit interesting though. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it is. Never it. in my life did I think I would ever hear you say, "Yeah, the story of Baywatch is interesting." Well, it's like uh, it, it's enough to where it propels the narrative where it needs to go. Like it sets up enough humorous moments and it's not like super fucking ridiculous. Yeah. But like, there's a scene where the kid who's out of shape and on the Baywatch team gets his dick stuck in between like a, a beach or like a lawn chair. And that like goes on for like five minutes. And I'm like, really? This is just such low hanging fruit. Last thing that I watched, uh, and I actually watched it today, it's a 1989 movie called Cutting Class. This is Brad Pitt's first movie. Whoa. Wow. it's free on YouTube. It's really short. It's an hour and like 24 minutes. And Cutting Class is pretty humorous because it's about this serial killer. It's like a slasher, a poorly made slasher film that you will not even remotely be frightened or even tense at any single moment. But he's going around this high school killing students and faculty. So and it's pre-pod, I would have put the over-under of pre-1994 Brad Pitt movies at one, and we're at two right now. Yeah, I mean, that was like a plus 1,500 <laughs> payout in Vegas. I was actually thinking that when you mentioned uh, True Romance. <laughs> Cutting Class is not a good movie at all. What I wrote in our letterbox review was like, it's not good enough or bad enough for me to enjoy. Uh, that's like, like it's the worst sweet spot ever. Yeah, like it's not stupid enough and dumb enough at all. Like it's competently made. It's well put together. The story's a little bit interesting. Yeah. But also it's not interesting enough. It's not well enough made. It's not competently enough made to be good. So it, it just is in that no man's land. It's like if you play Mario Tennis and you're standing like halfway in between the net and the service box – you can't do any good. You either need to be spiking the fucking ball or back at the baseline to return it. And that's where cutting class is. It's like in the middle. That was but a great you, analogy. Thanks. I just came up with that. It was just it was God's plan, really. Um, but if you want to... Uh, did you actually mean to do that, Nate? What? Did you mean to do that? I'll be back in three minutes. Oh, yeah. Okay. I was trying to be secretive. Sorry. I didn't know if it was like a set you could click. I was trying to make uh, it seamless. This is perfect timing because I'm about to toss it to Banner. All but right. You cut can in class, if, if you want to see Brad Pitt's first role, which is like the reason that I watched it, uh, it's fun. It's free on YouTube. Don't – it's not like – it doesn't cost nothing. All right, Banner, what's in your cup? 
All right, real quick for me. Um, only watched one movie this week. It was First Kid. First Kid. With Sinbad. With Sinbad? Holy yeah. Shit. Guys, we Where'd have to do it. It's on Disney+. Plus. That's a Disney movie? Yeah. It, shit. It is the epitome of Bro Force Squad 90s <laughs> commentary movie. It's a really good movie. Is the kid, the guy who plays the kid, is he like one of the four kid actors that were like recycled through and through in the 90s? I don't remember him being in much else, but he is fucking terrible. We would eat him alive and it would be a blast. Is he better or worse than Jake Lloyd? Worse, I think. Really? Yeah. I guess he has more to do. Yeah, he's got more to do. He's trying to be funny or to not be funny and to like be a good little like oh feel bad for me because my daddy is never around kid and it's just it doesn't work the only thing i remember from that is the over the top scene at the end where they're on a golf course and sinbad is like trying to run from someone so they're playing like speed golf so he's like in the fucking golf cart with his club out (laughs) like hitting the ball while they're driving i've always actually wanted to try that i'm shocked that we haven't we've gotten pretty fucking drunk on the golf course all right, so refresh me, um, because you just watched it. What is the plot? Like, how does Sinbad, he's a con, right? And he ends up guarding the president's child. How does that happen? No, he's not a con. He works for the Secret Service. So there's... He's legit, okay. Yeah, he's legit. So there's, the beginning of the movie, you've got this guy. He's the first kid's, like, bodyguard. Something happens, and Sinbad becomes him, because that's the stepping stone to be the president's bodyguard. And that's what got Sinbad it. wants to do. So... They're like, that sucks. This kid goes through Secret Service guys because they like hate their job. They quit or he runs them off or whatever. And then he he ends up like befriending Simbad and like Simbad is, hey man, it's all right. We're we're boys. And uh, all through the movie, then Simbad wants to do something nice for him. Takes him to the dance so that he can actually get out and meet his family and stuff or his friends and stuff. And uh, the Secret Service finds out that he snuck him out, and Sinbad loses his job. So then... How early for, in the movie is this? Oh, this is... third Beginning of third act. Oh, wow, so late. Okay. Yeah, late. And then he... I'm going to spoil the shit out of this, so I'm it's sorry. It's First Kid, bro. If if yeah. you get mad at us for spoiling First Kid, then get the that fuck out That says more it. about you than it does us. Yeah, you just are looking to fight someone. Well, fuck um, them! Spoiled first kid, man. So then he, the kid ends up running away. Six serves trying to find him. Sinbad's awesome. Finds him. Takes a bullet for him. Everybody's happy. That's first okay. kid. So compare this to another horrible movie, sort of of the same premise, starring the guy who plays Eric Matthews in Boy Meets World. My date with the president's daughter, which I believe is also on Disney Plus. My oh, I remember seeing. When I remember that, that like early two thousands. No, it was earlier than that, wasn't it? Was it really? Yeah, it was like ninety six. Had to have been. Yeah, I remember. It, it's weird the random things you remember because I know I remember from that movie, like they meet in a mall or something. And yeah, like and then. Somehow she's like they... trying to give him like the address, and she's like, "Oh, it's the big place on Pennsylvania Avenue. You can't miss it, 
or something like that. And like the big realization of him like driving up and be like, oh, we're at the fucking White House. Yeah, and that's the one where like they end up kissing on like the Washington Monument or something at the end. I don't, I don't know. It could be. Obviously, I've seen that once. There's uh, a seventy-five percent chance I will have the answer to that before next pod. It came out in ninety-eight. Okay, so we split the difference. Yeah, so I'm guessing there was a tie-in there since. When did when did uh, first kid come out? I don't know. That's your thing. You're supposed to know that. Please, do I ever do research on anything that I do? Uh, ninety-six. So two years before. Okay. So it was basically a genre at that point. Pretty much. Yeah? Yeah. They kind of had a nice little streak from 96, and then My Date with the President's Daughter came out in 98, so it was a nice little streak for them. Now, you guys might have mentioned this. I was pissing real quick if you're at home, but the song My Date with the President's Daughter, that's not an actual song, right? That was just made for the movie? Like, was that a thing that played on the radio? I'm pretty sure it was just for that. Yeah, I, I don't remember it ever being on the radio. All right. Th- thank God. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. All right, and the other thing I watched was Tiger King. What? Here we right. go. I'm sure you clicked on this episode because at the top I put something about Tiger King. We all watched it, all seven parts of the docu-series. It is fucking insane. We all have a lot that we want to say about it and the characters that it entails – um, I have some, some notes that I'll get to, but let's just go around and get our initial thoughts or anything you want to get off for chess first and see where it goes. Nate, we'll start with you. Tiger King, go. So at the risk of making this documentary sound too artsy, this had <laughs> so many fucking layers. You just kept going episode by episode. And I want to commend the people who did this documentary that I think they did a really great job of editing this and just the format of everything because they gave you little bits and pieces but then the way they actually laid things out and brought things to light it kept it going all seven episodes and they just kept putting layers and layers into the story so one quick interjection about that so i can't i can't remember some of the names here and if you're at home you probably can't either so i'll describe them but nate to that point so the guy who was going to do the reality TV show on Joe Exotic, yeah, and then obviously everything they do with uh, Antle, it seemed like they had like hundreds of hours of like bullshit footage they had. So yeah. to put this together from that would be a fucking chore, I would imagine. Oh, for sure. That was one of the crazy things and one of the things that actually made it really possible is that they just literally had cameras rolling 24-7. Yeah. Can like you times. imagine having to watch that show as your like day job to come up with clips? Yeah, like you would have to watch all of that footage three or four times so that, like you know what it is, and then somebody says to you, "Oh, we can put that here." Oh, and I'm sorry if if you haven't seen Tiger King, I probably should spoilers. Like we're gonna spoil everything from the show. Oh, 100. percent right? So skip ahead like just to be safe, like 10 minutes, maybe five, 10 minutes. Yeah, this might yeah, this might go a minute. There, there's just so much to dive into, and what we'll preface that with, we really haven't done any structure to this previously. Saying hey, we're going to talk about this. We're just going to go through all talk. of it, talk about all of it. Um, but yeah, I'll, uh, 
give you my first impressions. I'll kind of throw it over to Banner to see what his overall impression of the whole docu series was. So, first off, I want to preface like we all grew up in Northeast Oklahoma. I don't think that's a secret. We've we've kind of said that we've all grew we all grew up there. Where this happened in Winniewood, Oklahoma, is what two three hours away, guys. Yeah, it's like a, yeah, yeah. It's on like this south side. I mean, it's close to the Oklahoma border, I guess. Yeah, but when you look at how they live, it feels like another country. It is oh, yeah. a absolute <laughs> another country. And I remember growing up hearing about Joe Exotic and oh, we're gonna, you know, pet his tigers and whatever. And then obviously he gets arrested, or he he uh, tries to become governor, and then he gets arrested and all this. I remember all this happening in real time. I had no idea how fucking crazy this story was. Yeah. And, and I remember living it. Um, I just, I guess, first initial thoughts, I was blown away by how they took all of these pieces together and all of these people and convinced them to all do this documentary. And it all started because the guy that made the documentary was trying to make another documentary about venomous snakes. That's yeah. the crazy thing, too. Really? This is way more interesting. Yeah, yeah. That's why he stopped making the Venom Mistake one and went to this. Damn. Yeah. And this documentary, and this may segue into just talking about the characters and kind of – well, I say characters. They fucking seem like They characters. are. Yeah. <laughs> the actual real-life people in this fucking documentary, um, and this may segue into talking more in depth about them, but there are – the most certifi certifiably insane people I've ever seen in one documentary or anything. Most of the time you'll watch something and be like, oh yeah, those people are crazy, but they, there's some sane people around them. All these people in this are almost all fucking insane and crazy, batshit crazy. And it's, that's... It's insane. For my thoughts before we get into some of the questions that I had or things that I think we should talk about, yeah, I think that's what makes this so insane, to Nate's point, is like if you were to say, put together, like, a dramatized show or a serial based on these characters, I would say, well, that's interesting, but none of those people seem real at all, so it's hard for me to get invested. That's what's insane about this, is these are all actual fucking human beings that live in the world. And, I mean, talk about anything better to watch during a quarantine. The rabbit hole this will take you down and just make you feel good about yourself, because you look at how these people live and these weird fucking realities that they create in their heads for themselves. And you're just like, I mean, obviously some of them, maybe the majority of them are on drugs, but still like, how do you get that warped sense of the world that we live in? Yeah. You can, you can be watching this and be like, Hey, at least I'm not addicted to meth. <laughs> right. At least I have more than two teeth. There we go. Last thing I'll say, and I sent this to the group chat today, but someone tweeted a picture of, it's a screenshot from the documentary <laughs> Joe Exotic, and he's in front of a tiger cage, and he goes, I'm going to show you some stuff. And the person tweeted, understatement of the fucking year. <laughs> like, yeah, you are going to show he us. He showed us some shit. It was... All right. <clears throat> okay, real quick, before we go on, we said 2019 was the year of the doc. This movie is... Or, or this documentary is... Going pound for pound with anything we saw in 2019, right? Sure. I will say, so the Aaron Hernandez documentary was 2020, technically. I think that one was on the weaker end. This was pretty strong, though. Like This very, is real strong. Yeah, so that helps. Yeah. All right, a couple questions I had. First off, 
referring to Joe Exotic, how does someone like him manage to marry three men that are probably not gay? That is, yeah, that's one of the weirdest <laughs> underlining um, kind of things about this this whole documentary. Is yeah, they, I mean, it's basically admitted that all three of them were not gay, are not gay. One of them proven that John Finley, I believe, who yeah, got, the no, the no teeth guy, got the receptionist pregnant. He has some teeth. He had not in few. abundance, and not as many as you should have. Yeah, he wasn't he wasn't greedy with his teeth. Exactly. He just had enough to get by. Okay, let me rephrase this. The guy that had the property of Joe Exotic tattooed on his crotch. Private property of Joe Exotic. Not even public property because that would somehow be a thing. Yeah. Um, What was the question? (laughs) How did Joe Exotic get three non-gay people to marry him? Yeah, yeah, the other thing – in like fucking bumfuck Oklahoma, like one of the reddest states in America, and you're doing this bullshit, it's insane how – he didn't get killed in Oklahoma. I've I've never been addicted to drugs, so I can't attest to like what those guys are going through. But is it that his, hard to get pot that you have to his, go exotic and win his up? meth had to have been better than Walter White's meth. <laughs> Agreed. Bringing it back to Bre- Breaking Bad, because yeah. if you're not gay but you're willing to marry a guy who's just gonna feed you drugs. Who has a Prince Albert and puts padlocks on it. Yeah. It's called class, honey. He's gayer than a $3 bill, though. That guys. was something I was like... We One of my favorite it. lines. You can make yourself. Um, fuck, I forgot what I was going to yep. say. But it was about the drugs. You don't have to edit it out. No, I was, well, okay, that's what I was thinking. I was like, when I was watching the documentary and he's talking about in detail about his Prince Albert... I'm like, this could have ended up on the cutting room floor, and I still would have gotten the full picture of the story we're trying to tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He goes commando. He may have got it caught in his zipper once or twice. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is an obvious one, but like, it has to just be talked about. Banner, I'll toss it to you first. I mean, Carol definitely killed her ex-husband, Dean, right? And he's only oh. an ex-husband because he's fucking buried under the septic tank or in the backyard where Cuddles ate him. 100%. <laughs> Okay. A little throwback. A little throwback. Check yeah. out a review on that. Uh, yeah, no. She killed him, and she knew the second that she killed him, she was going to get away with it. She's been for, what, 15 years been being said, oh, you killed your husband and fed him to the Tigers, and she's been playing it off. I can see how you'd be a little nonchalant about it. But she was like that in those first news interviews when they – uh, were talking to her and she was saying, I just want to know what happened to him or whatever, blah, blah, blah. She knew she was going to get away with it. Well, there's the one scene where she's, oh, oh, Joe Exotic is talking about, had this conspiracy that his staff like put cologne on his boots when the tigers attacked him. Yeah. And she, Carol makes a really weird comment. She's like, no, I mean, if you wanted tigers to kill him, you would just take him out back at 1.15 a.m., rub him in sardine oil, and the tigers would just inherently attack him. You're like, what? That's an incredibly descriptive. Very descriptive. Very specific, even though the internet was like, the fuck, Carol? (laughs) Seems to get a little bit of experience. Come again, Big Fudge? Yeah. So, Nate, I mean, 
I think one great thing about this documentary is the reason they were able to, to get as candid of interviews with the people they could get is you could easily frame this because these guys are all egomaniacs, Carol, Antle, and Joe Exotic, to where, like, this documentary makes you look good and everyone else look bad, when in reality it makes them all look like psychos, Carol included. She probably thinks she's the hero of this, but not at all. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, all of the main suspects in this – so yeah, you've got the ones you mentioned, then even Jeff Lowe throwing him in there. Oh my god, they're all like, Don't, oh, we got to talk about Jeff. Yeah, we will, we will. So yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get to a little more character breakdown here in a minute. I keep saying a character, but um, that's what they feel yeah, like, though. Throwing yeah, throwing Jeff Lowe, they're all like <clears throat> class A narcissists. They just cannot get over their egos, and yeah, even Carol, who tries to play the innocent one, um, she's probably one of the worst ones of them all, which. I love the part where they went back – they probably went back 10 or 15, maybe 20 years when Carol was breeding tigers and doing the shit that she was getting mad at Joe for doing and yeah, like so off of it. Banner, I'll turn it over to you because you actually have like hands-on over a decade of experience working with both aquatic life. Like literally Banner, if you don't know at home, he fed sharks like for over 10 years. So – to me, when I watch this documentary, I don't see really – I mean in terms of business models, obviously the way they handled employees and the animals is different. But I don't see any way in terms of a business model that really Carol's setup in Florida is is different from Joe Exotic's. So am I missing something there? No, there there is no difference. Uh, I, have, I haven't been to either facility, so I can't really say all I can go off of is what I saw in the footage. And Joe Exotic's facility actually looked nicer and looked better set up than uh, Carol's. They had so more space at Winwood. They had more space. The way, just kind of the way that they had their feeding bowls and the way that they kind of performed, we'll call them chores. Uh, Joe Exotic seemed like he had a much more, uh, a better handle on how to actually care for the animals, uh, especially in the earlier footage and, and the beginning. Um, obviously we know later on he wasn't as involved with the animals as, uh, the guy with no legs and the guy, the crackhead with, with long hair. Um, those guys, obviously, those guys obviously took care of the animals, uh, more. Well, yeah, regardless, regardless of how much he was paying them, he actually had a full-time paid staff working that zoo and she was just taking advantage of volunteers to work probably like weekends and shit. The reason I'm laughing, you, you said the guy with no legs and the crackhead with long hair and like six teeth, and they're not even in the top five most interesting people in this documentary. The guy with no legs, and I've already said this before off pod, I think he may be one of the most sane people in the documentary. Yeah, you put put that guy on my team any day. He, he'll well, take charges. Or a wild card. Um I can't remember his name right now off the top of my head, but the uh, Mexican drug lord in Miami. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. I forgot I totally about forgot him. about so, that guy. I mean, yeah, obviously, okay, he had his issues in the drug world and did all that stuff. He served his time and came out. His interviews and the time they talked to him, he actually seemed like a decent dude, which sounds that's, weird to say. That's probably why they took him out of the rest of it. They were like, you're too level-headed. Yeah, you're making us too there's too many psychos for us to give you screen time. Yeah, for sure. All right, th this one isn't even a question. I'm just going to say this, and you guys go off. Doc Antle, Nate, what? What's 
First off, so, let me ask this. Between him and Jeff Lowe, what is it about tigers that makes women so horny? Because these guys are able to fuck like 11 chicks each just because they have tigers. I don't get it. See, I've gone back and forth, and I almost think that Doc Antle is the most narcissist of the whole bunch. He is. Um, 100%. And for whatever – huh? He is I, 100%. Yeah. I agree. He And the way he was like taking the, the crew around like his house and like directing the crew for the documentary around like, oh, do you think this is the shot? How do you want me to do this? Well, well, like he just has to be in control of everything. I don't know how he's so much of a ladies' man with his little flavor saver that he had at one point under his lip. But the uh, girl that they interviewed at her house that was one of the trainers for a while, I know that was one of the lines like whenever her dad dropped her off, which her dad should be in jail for dropping her off there. Her dad was like, oh, he's a ladies' man. I can tell. I was like, this guy? Really? I don't get it, dude. I don't understand. Um, I'm just waiting. I want the Doc Antel documentary. That's what I want. Well, he got raided, right? Right. We know he got raided in 2019. Surely there was they had more footage from this documentary of them talking to him about his setup. And surely other people dished on him because this story was between Joe and Carol Baskins. You know they asked them about Doc. So I want Jeff Lowe's gonna give shit on everyone, give dirt on everyone. Oh my god, dude, he'll fucking sell out himself if yeah. he would, have, which doesn't even make sense, but he would do it. The question that I had though, and even at the end, I guess it makes a little more sense, but like, why is he actually in this documentary, Doc Antle? Just to sort of paint the picture, but he's in a lot of it. I and think it's because really... he was really the only one that was kind of on Joe's side through a lot of like the breeding stuff and things like that. Yeah, because but it's all. Joe, and, Joe really... and Doc were equally against Carol Baskins, but Joe was just more outspoken about it. By outspoken, you mean like he would shoot a mannequin in the fucking head on his TV show with a Carol Baskin sign on it. Or pretend, make a music video pretending that she was feeding his husband, her husband to a lion. God, that, Yo, that, that chick looked exactly like Carol. That was great casting. I was talking to my I wife. I thought it was, was like, Carol. Is, did he there there's no way he got her to do this <laughs> that was a great doppelganger um another thing i had jeff Lowe is so afraid of people knowing he's bald he wears a bandana and a fucking hat he's gotta have two layers you're bald dude in case like the wind blows his hat off i guess so yeah he's a god he's he's another level he's an understated another level and Going, getting into another development that happened is he basically was setting Joe up for the murder for hire. So, I, I'm not a hundred percent convinced Joe. I don't know that he knew what was going on. Like he was actually in on it and they just set him up a hundred percent or if he like knew what was going on and they just turned on him in the last second. I'm not yeah. convinced that he wasn't not involved. No. Yeah. So a couple different things about that is he went to Jeff's right hand man who they did not get along. And that was known. Why would he go to him to have him murder Carol Baskins? It wouldn't make any sense. Right. Like you don't think that guy's going to fucking sell you out. He hates you. Also, side note to that, whenever they're interviewing him and him saying, oh, apparently I didn't make it to Florida. You were that fucked up. You don't realize you didn't make it to Florida. <laughs> yeah. I, it took me a second. I was like, wait, is he, 
Is he like? Is he learning about this right now, just like we are? <laughs> I guess I didn't make it there. But you were driving a motor vehicle, sir, on an interstate. Ended up in South Carolina. Well, shit. I guess I didn't make it to Florida. It's not Ugh. that. I mean, it's I guess on the grand in the scheme of like the Earth, it's close, but like not really. <laughs> Several hundred miles. He goes. I get. I guess I chickened the fuck out. Did you, you like? Get, you guess. Yeah, at first I thought he was saying that, like, well, this is what the lawyers told me to say, so I'm, I'm going to pretend like that's my story. Then I was like, oh, you were just blacked out on drugs. So that's what happened. He literally does not remember. He was that fucked up. Uh, so real quick, let's just say what we think the plot was. What, And this may be – it's probably going to be redundant, but I think Jeff Lowe, Allen, and Joe all made a plan to kill Carol, but Joe – excuse me uh, – Alan and Jeff the entire time were saying, like, we're just going to sell him out to the feds. We're not really going to do this. And Joe's going to think it's legit. Banner, what do you think? I actually think that Jeff and Alan made a pact and they said, we're going to get rid of Joe. And they set him up and framed him. I actually don't think. It's my same theory. (laughs) No, that Joe had nothing to do with it. No, he, he, they brought him in on the plan, but the plan was never real. It was just to set him up. I don't even, I'm not even convinced that he came into the plan. Well, then how could they set him up if he wasn't involved in killing Carol Baskin? Why is he in jail? Because they told on him. For what? If he was never in on the plan to kill Carol Baskin? They, ju- they told the cops that he was in on the plan, but Joe didn't know any of that. Joe didn't go to Alan or any of that. But Joe even admitted he gave Alan three thousand dollars. Yeah. To kill to kill Carol Baskins? No. Yeah. Well, he, he said he gave him three thousand dollars so he could go back home. But I think what Jeff is saying could be correct. Like he was We're saying slightly... the same thing. Yes, I thought so too, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Basically right. they, so yeah, Joe's stupider than the rest of them. And it's a low bar to clear. Nate, do you have anything that differs from that at all? Um, no, I think that's, that's pretty accurate. I, yeah, I think, uh, Jeff and Alan were kind of colluding the whole time behind Joe's back. Um, once Alan got involved with the feds, um, because then, I mean, they even have phone recordings of, uh, Jeff and whoever his right hand, wait, hold on. Alan was his right hand man. Yeah. Who was the fat guy on the jet ski? Uh, James Garrison. Okay, that's who I was thinking of. We'll get to Um, him in a second. I think he was kind of involved too. But, yeah, I think they kind of set it up. And Jeff even admitted to saying, hey, yeah, I kind of led him along and, like, poked him and prodded him and kind of made him say what I wanted him to say to get it on camera. So uh, they were definitely behind him going to jail. All right. Two more quick things. Carol's current husband now, the one who serenades her in the last episode, what a fucking cornball. Right? Oh God, she she has him wrapped around her finger. He can God. He'll do whatever she wants. She doesn't have to kill him and feed him to the fucking tigers. She'll just say, "Hey, will you go let the tigers eat you?" And he'll say, "Okay." Well, well she's already basically cut his balls off and fed him to the fucking tigers. Funny moment, and it's because he was reading a transcript or a text from something. He said the word "cunt," and it really yes. surprised me. <laughs> Good point. I didn't. Well, I saw that, it on screen, and he repeated. And I was like, oh, "All right, good for you." <laughs> can we rewind ten seconds just so my mind can process that? You this said fucking, "cunt." Okay. This fucking square saying the word "cunt." 
All right, last thing before we get to our quick ranking, and this is just a moment, and then again, if you guys have anything else in the whole series added on to this, but the image of James Garrettson's fat ass riding a wave runner while Eye of the Tiger is playing, I almost pissed my pants laughing. Literally. I was so confused. Almost fell off my couch laughing. <laughs> Made no sense is the first No. He, it, was, it was probably his idea. He's like, hey, guys, I got an idea. And Me. then when he rides up, he does, like, the Mahalo fucking hand gesture. Like, what is all any of this? Me on a wave runner, 50 miles an hour across Grand Lake. Let's that, do it. That poor wave runner under his fat ass. <laughs> Did we make sure that this is it a— It had to be supercharged. <laughs> <laughs> or super buoyant, where they just add, like, floaties or fucking styrofoam yeah. inside of it. They got some noodles underneath it. <laughs> Those poor noodles. No, we, we did a ranking. Remember of the craziest people on the show? Oh, yeah. I forgot about this. That's okay. I did it if you didn't. Um, b- before we go to that, do you guys have anything else that's like burning a hole in your chest that you want to say about Tiger King? I think we pretty much covered everything. Yeah, we got it all out there. You'll probably think of something in the middle of the night while you're laying in your bed. I'll record it and send it to you. So we talked <laughs> – please do. I'll edit it in. We talked about doing a ranking of the top three craziest people in Tiger King, which is hard to do. Um, and I actually went with, like, sort of the three dark horses. Nate, do you have a list? I know, Banner, you, sorry, we caught you off guard. but You're fine. I'm prepared. I just created a list in my head right now, but right, I think Nate, I'm going to stick to it. Nate, why don't you go? Count us down. Three, two, one. Top three craziest fucking people in Tiger King. Yeah, so I would – so honorable mention, Jeff Lowe. I don't think he's crazy. He's just a sleazebag, um, sleazebag businessman who tries to mooch off other people. So he gets an honorable mention, um, but he's not in my top three. So the it's top... kind of crazy how unrich he is, but he still pulls all this shit off. Like he has no exactly. money. I don't. I mean, I really don't think he's that. I mean, he's kind of a smart guy as far as conning people, but I don't think he's certifiably insane batshit crazy as far as i would classify these other top three people um and then the top three for me we go uh doc he would be number three um the most narcissistic narcissistic of the bunch um has to have his harem of women to have sex with his sex workers almost um number three would be carol baskins um yeah she plays the role of the innocent bystander but she – all the evidence for the involvement of her husband's death is there. Now, Can I say something – sorry yeah. to interrupt you – about her that really annoys me? Every sentence she says, regardless of the content of that sentence, she laughs. Yes, 100%. Like she'd be like, Lee Hoppy Arswald killed JFK. <laughs> I'm like, that's not she, fucking humorous in any way, shape, or form. She's la- – yeah, she's laughing to cover up her, her shitty – her shitty deeds that she's done. Um, so that was number two. We could go on for days about her. And then, I mean, it's, it's kind of the number one overall C, like Jasmine, just going to the top. Joe Exotic, I mean, he, he's he's top of the bunch. Like, the shit that he pulled, running for governor, making all these fucking music videos, which are crazy. They're shooting, insane. Blowing They're insane. shit up. All the threats he made to Carol constantly, like literally making a dummy and shooting it in the head and saying, hey, I'm going to have your head on in a jar on my desk. I, there's no way he can't be my number one. He was – I don't know. It's going to take me a few months to like really process that he's real. Yeah. Banner, your top three craziest fucking people in Tiger King. 
So I think actually, I mean, three has got to be Doc. I'm just going to regurgitate what Nate said. It's, <laughs> I'm just, it's just what I'm going to do tonight. But I mean, I made a good list. I'm sorry. The thing about Doc is Coxman. He is he's just as crazy as all of them. He's just a little bit smarter, and he wasn't willing to like tell on himself like the he's, others were. Let me say this about Doc. He's crazier than them, but he's smart enough to not have an excuse. He, he's savvy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like I, he's think, not I think he's a smart individual. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, yeah. And then I'm just going to flip what Nate said. What? I'm going to go Joe, Joe 2, Carol 3. I don't think – I think Joe was a lot of talk. Other way? Is Carol 1? Did you go 1, yeah. 2, 3? I'm fucked up, all right? Carol, I know. I'm just trying to get you – Carol is number one. Joe is two. Doc is three. Got it. Got it. Okay. All right. So elaborate on Carol's number one position. Joe, I don't think Joe would have acted upon actually killing anybody. Carol actually killed her husband and then completely flipped on what she did and just like attacks these people. And yeah, I'm shocked just... that, that Carol is able to clean up her tracks as well as she was. To be honest, maybe just because she's—I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I she's she's fucking crazy. I can see it in her eyes. Oh, she's an absolute psycho. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, okay, you might have been hot in 1974, but that shit isn't gonna pass anymore. You're a psychotic idiot. So yeah. That being said, one thing, and I'll, we'll throw it over to to Jeff to finish up here. The story of how she met her first husband. She's walking down a street. She's a prostitute. He no, pulls up that in a... wasn't her first husband. That was her. The husband she killed was her second husband. Wait, oh what? yeah, she was married at the. She time. was married because they had a fight, and that's why she was walking down the street. Oh was... shit! I must have missed that. Anyway, walking, he pulls up in a car and says, "Hey, I just want someone to drive around with." She's like, "No," and he's like, "I've got this gun in my car. You can just hold it." against me and then we can drive around so you feel safe and she's like okay tale as old as time yeah that doesn't seem off uh wheels off or anything our relationship started with a gun and ended with one what Solid. i didn't mean that boom <clears throat> horns top three right. so i pick three people that are maybe just the biggest idiots in this whole group so i didn't want to take like the main people these are like guys off the radar Biggest uh, idiots in Tiger King. Number three, John Finley, the the first husband of Joe who gets his name tattooed right above his dick and yeah. loses all his teeth to meth and then reveals at the end, I'm actually not even gay. Just Spoiler. <clears throat> what have you been doing with yourself for 20 years? Like fucking a dude, living with him, tattooing that your penis belongs to him and now you're not gay? Just yeah, doesn't, so. doesn't make any sense. I think that adds up. Second person I wouldn't have put on this list until like the last 15 minutes of the documentary. I'm like, wow, you are basically a free prisoner in your life. And that's Lauren, who's Jeff Lowe's wife, who's like eight months pregnant at the end of the documentary. And Jeff Lowe basically says to her, here's what's going to happen, babe, in front of a camera. You're going to pop this kid out. You're going to get in the gym. And then I'm going to fuck our nanny. Yes. And she's like laughing and smiling. They've got like, an open relationship, Jeff. I don't know. That, it's just it, – it's absolutely nuts to me. And I'll be totally honest. She's not, like, bad looking. Like, no. I don't understand. 
She but looks you 20 years younger than him. Last one. It's a bit of a sensitive subject. Banner and I talked about this today. And I didn't look up his name because I think it's funnier to describe it this way. Long-haired guy at the GW Park who cared for the animals who almost OD'd on heroin in his interview. <laughs> like, legit, I thought he was going to die. The very last – he has – so I guess at the end of the docuseries, he's working at a burger restaurant or some diner or some greasy spoon. But he's flipping burgers and sits down. They interview him. He has one line, guilty. And then they just cut to the next scene. That's it. <laughs> He's probably on too much drugs to even. That's like, the only. It was the only word that they could understand that he said. Was that the only way we could figure out what the what the outcome of the trial was? He got to play judge for a day. Yes, Guys, guilty. Okay. I think we need to mention the campaign manager, aka the <laughs> gun and ammo clerk at Walmart. <laughs> Joshua Dial or something. Something like that. I just don't even. He's not crazy. And I don't even think he's a dumb person. I just think he's stupid. <laughs> I just feel like he wakes up more Did you days. What you just said? Yes, yeah, I know I exactly. I think he's a dumb he's... person. I just think he's stupid. I just yeah. don't think he has any other options to do with his skill set, quote unquote, in Winwood, Oklahoma. Oh God. All right, we've talked about this ad nauseum. Uh, Banner, was there a question what? you wanted to ask Doug, in the show? And this is our Do You Even Lift Bra? It's our question and answer segment that we end the show with, where we ask a question that we leave you people with. And this week, the hit sitcom The Office turned 15 years old, meaning that if it lived in my house, it would have to get a fucking job and start pulling its weight around here. There's no doubt it changed television forever. Personally, I think I probably watched my, my way through the Michael Scott CDs at least about five or six times. But today we wanted to talk about The Office and reminisce. So, guys, what are some of your favorite episodes slash moments from Dunder Mifflin? Nate, you're a huge Office fan. You actually might have got me into it back in college, if I remember right. So do you have a favorite episode, a favorite moment, favorite scene from the, what was it, nine seasons? Eight seasons? Uh, yeah. And I was still a huge fan even after Michael Scott left. I know a lot of people kind of fell off the boat after that, but I was still a really big fan. I like the whole dynamic they had. And I liked I Robert think, California. Yeah, Jim, I mean, Jim was always a big player, but he kind of came more into light just in specifics of, like, running the office and all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, there's too much to go over with The Office. Since it was so iconic, it kind of brought in the whole documentary sitcom, um, which breeded into Parks and Rec, which is funny because... In Parks and Rec, they still do the same thing with the floating heads, and like they acknowledge the camera, but it's never explained in the series. Same with Modern why, Family. Why that is. Yeah, so, yeah, same thing with Modern Family. And really the reason they did that is just because they saw how funny The Office was and what they could do with comedy with that. And it's just a testament to what The Office did um, with that kind of shooting style. So just on top of lending a new style of comedy for sitcom – uh, going forward, some of the scenes I had here and the memorable moments. Um, I mean, there's too many to remember, but Benny Hanna Christmas, which was, a, I think, one of the first two-parters, was awesome. Great well, line. Andy's on the sitar, and yeah. Jim goes, do you take requests? Of course. Please of course. stop. Please stop. <laughs> uh, 
Michael Marks's Asian girlfriend because he can't tell the difference between her and the other waitress, which is amazing. <laughs> um, the basketball game, which is another iconic one. Uh, we've got uh, Dwight, Ryan, Stanley, obviously. Why obviously? You're tall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Michael's engagement was a really great um, episode, engagement to Holly. Um, a lot of funny moments, very poignant as well, um, especially the ending where he actually asked her to marry him. And he has all the candles, so you know it's very heartfelt and everything. And then it just ties back in the to the comedy where all the uh, sprinklers go off and it's just funny, but they still love it. Yeah. And all that kind of stuff. Um, and also the Willy Wonka episode was great. That's one of my favorite episodes. Yeah. I'm not uh, going to lie, David. I would like none of the blame, but I would also like all of the credit. Yes, it's it's classic Michael in that episode because he, he realizes hey, – Hey, Dwight. Hey, Dwight. He's in a pinch, and then he realizes he's going to get in trouble. But as long as he gets credit for it, he's fine with that. He's fine with getting into trouble as long as he gets the credit. Um, What's his line to David Wallace? I am impressed by the potential that you see in me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that makes no sense. Uh, so many great lines. Um, and then two of the cold opens, which are two of my favorite, is uh, Stanley doesn't notice anything, which is a great one. Um, <laughs> the orange juice the... instead of coffee. Oh my god! The first time I watched that, I was dying laughing with all the, yeah drinking the coffee, not realizing it's not OJ or vice versa. And then one of my other favorite ones uh, later in the seasons was Asian Jim, where so, I can't remember the actor's name. He's very well-known Randall now. Park, I think. Yep. God, that, that is pulled off so great and like, the shock and awe in Dwight's face. The family photo that they take with, like, him and Cece. That's just the icing on the cake, yeah. <laughs> to make Dwight crazy. think, like, am I the fucking crazy one? Yep. And then one of the last things that, I mean, I probably – gone through the seasons like four or five times now uh, you'll pick up on little things and one of the funny things that i picked up on recently is one of dwight's floating heads um it's the episode where they're talking about ageism and like um trying to phase out the old people and creeds getting worried and all that kind of stuff but dwight has a floating head who is talking about the longevity in, in their family and saying yeah my grandpa wilhelm is still putting around down in argentina which is great because Argentina was a great refuge after World War II for a lot of Nazi soldiers and Nazi higher-ups. Oh. So it's kind of a tie back into that uh, German ancestry and Nazi tie-ins, which is funny. Totally missed that. Yep. Good stuff. Banner, how about you? Scene, so, episode, anything you think of from The Office? I did not watch the episode live when it came out. Thurman, you tried to get me to watch it for years, and I just <laughs> yes. never could do it. And then finally, it was it was two, maybe three years ago, you said, here are all the Christmas episodes. You sent, yep. sent me a picture and said, it's season two, episode whatever, all the way through. I went through and watched all the Christmas episodes first. Never watched the show. I only watched the Christmas episodes. They were fucking hilarious. So then I went back and I watched the entire series uh, from beginning to end in 40 40- in like 41 days. It was like 117 <laughs> episodes of The Office in like 40 days. Yeah. It was as incredible. only you can do. Yeah, it was it's like you said it was a new breed of comedy and I actually watched Parks and Rec before this and I love Parks and Rec. Yeah. So, it was just it was kind of odd that I hadn't seen The Office, but 
is such a new breed of, of sitcom comedy. It was kind of like, it was just refreshing to see, which was, I don't know. That's always nice. Uh, some of my favorite episodes, um, the wedding episode when Jim and Pam get married, I am a sucker. I'm not going to lie. I teared up a little bit. I do in at any wedding Thurman. I cried at your wedding. I cried at my wedding horns. I'm sure I'll cry at your wedding. It's, just what I do. I cried during the wedding episode. It was beautiful. Oh, Whatever. That's fine. You it was pulled off episode. well. And and as Nate was referencing earlier, they always do a great job of balancing like that humor, but they don't try to make you laugh when you shouldn't be laughing. You know? Yeah. yeah. It was just a really, really beautiful episode where everybody got what they wanted and everybody was happy. And that was, it was a, it was a really good feel good moment. Uh, and then really anytime you have, creed like saying some weird like black market thing it's just it works i don't even know what he, he had no other advancement to the story other than he's the weird guy and it, it worked he's got some incredible one-liners yep all right for me i'll just i'll take the low-hanging fruit favorite episode is the dinner party i get some people can't watch it or enjoy it because it is so much cringe but it's it's fucking genius, dude. It's it's probably the most laughs per capita for like an office episode. Like that I don't, is, yeah, that has so much comedy in it with just one liners and things like that and snip snap, snip snap, snip snap. And then when the, he the, when he's even talking about comedy. investing in Jane's candle company and Andy goes, thought about it, a one in. A one in. <laughs> the physical so, comedy of when he pushes that plasma screen tv and it goes two inches let me tell you this on youtube go look up the outtakes from that episode because they, they that scene in and of itself everyone was breaking and after yes. like the seventh time john krasinski turns to the director and uh i think greg daniels and goes we'll never get this <laughs> like it's too fucking funny because uh -huh. at a certain point and jan the chick who plays jan i can't remember the actress's name she's like the only one who can keep it straight because yeah. even steve carell is losing it every single time Dinner such party, a, such an iconic episode. And then the best cold open, and for what it's worth, the best I I would argue, the best cold open to any sitcom ever is the stress relief episode where Dwight starts the fire on purpose and says, "Today, uh -huh. smoking is gonna save lives," and he lights the fucking <laughs> trash on fire from the cigarette. Just everyone's reaction, like Kevin goes straight for the vending machine. Michael smashes the an overhead projector through the window and screams help. Angela or Oscar climbs through the ceiling. Angela tosses her cat up, who smashes through the ceiling on the other side. <laughs> There's so it's it's been so memeable lately too. Is Michael runs out? It's happening! It's happening! Oh my God! It's happening! Like the end of the, <laughs> yeah. That's maybe the best gif on Twitter. So stress yeah. relief is an incredible cold up. All right, guys. Episode 109, what do we want to leave the people with, Nate? Some parting wisdom for them. Or what would Joe uh, say if he were not in prison? Either one. Yeah, you know, stay safe out there. Obviously going through some tough times right now, but it gives us the opportunity to kind of reevaluate things. Uh, like I said, I'm going to try and get ripped, so see me out on the other side. Um, if the alcohol doesn't destroy my body first, then uh, you'll see me out there flexing on the beach. I'm doing the same thing, except my fiance keeps baking shit. So it's like, well, I'm not going to not eat these muffins. 
I've seen the snaps. At least air frying some of it. That's healthy. <laughs> I know. Yeah, we had we air fried some veggies yesterday, <laughs> but I ate four times the recommended serving size. So uh, damn it. Ah, uh, oh, never mind. <laughs> Vayner, you want to take another bat, take another swing? You chased a curveball in the dirt, but yeah, yeah. Uh, pull over for emergency vehicles, please. Especially in this time, you never know who's in the back of that that uh, ambulance. <laughs> Could be your grandma. Was I supposed to laugh at that? I don't know. No, but you're probably just still thinking about what he said. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think I can top that. So I will just say for Nate Thurman, the American hero, the mad scientist, Brian Banner, our legal counsel, Ronnie Cycli, and our enforcement, the paint, Matt Geiger, who are force ghosting. Thank you guys for listening to the Bro Force Squad podcast during this trying time. Check us out. Check out all of our movie commentaries, everything that we do on our website, broforcesquad.com. Follow us on Twitter to vote for that final matchup between Jasmine and Mulan and the female animated character movie con- uh, madness contest at Bro Force Squad. And type in Bro Force Squad as three separate words on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, as well as Letterboxd. You'll find us there. Thank you, guys. And I would say we'll see you at the movies, but we'll catch you in that little Netflix party. What's that thing called? Have you guys seen that? Netflix. It's like a Netflix hangout where you can like watch a movie with people. I don't know. We created our own in a way because we're badass. Fuck yeah. Fuck you, Netflix. Yeah, fuck you. We get your own.